to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the second morning service of Sunday the 21st of January 2018, entitled Facing Home, and the Bible reading is taken from Jeremiah chapter 50, verses 1 to 8. Here's Brother Steve Elliott. Good morning. Lovely to be with you again this morning. If you'll have to turn in your Bibles, please, uh, to Jeremiah chapter 50. We're going to read the first uh, eight verses, so if you'd like to stand to one of the reading of God's word, please. Thank you. Verse 1. The word that the Lord spake against Babylon and against the land of Chaldeans by Jeremiah the prophet. Declare ye among the nations and publish and set up a standard. Publish and conceal not. Say Babylon is taken. Bel is confounded, Meridach is broken in pieces, her idols are confounded, her images are broken in pieces. For out of the north there cometh up a nation against her, which shall make her land desolate, and none shall dwell therein. They shall remove, they shall depart, both man and beast. In those days and in that time, saith the Lord, Children of Israel shall come, they and the children of Judah, together, going and weeping. They shall go and seek the Lord their God. Verse 5. They shall ask the way to Zion with their faces thitherward, saying, Come and let us join ourselves to the Lord in a perpetual covenant that shall not be broken. My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. All that found them have devoured them, and their adversaries said, We offend not, because they have sinned against the Lord, the habitation of justice, even the Lord, the hope of their fathers. Remove out of the midst of Babylon, and go forth out of the land of the Chaldeans, and be as the he-goats before the flocks. Let's just have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for your precious word this morning. Pray you'll help me, Lord, um, with this message, and help us to listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I've entitled uh, this message this morning, Facing Home. And I'd like to thank the pastor this morning just for just reminding us that this does feel still like our home. Um, but the message this morning, Facing Home. And um, why do I give it that title? Well, because God's people, who had been 70 years in Babylon because of their rebellion and because of their idolatry, because of their sin against God, had been taken into captivity. And Jeremiah the prophet here, He's looking into the future and he's prophesying and he's telling what's going to happen at the end of these 70 years. And we know that God's people had removed from their home, from Jerusalem. And they went many hundreds of miles away to Babylon. But we see here in our chapter that God's people were about to face home. They were about to look towards Jerusalem and come back to where they were from, where they should have been. Um, we just 
look in verse 5, we see here that there's an old English word. It's a word that we don't use very often. And it's only actually in the Bible three times. Twice in the Old Testament and one in the first, in, in the New Testament. Um, let's just have a look at that word in verse 5. It says, They shall ask the way to Zion with their faces thitherward, saying, Come and let us join ourselves to the Lord in a perpetual covenant that shall not be forgotten. If we just look up here on the screen, we see that word, thitherward, thitherward, thitherward. I wonder if maybe we can say that word this morning. Maybe we can repeat it. Maybe after three. One, two, three. Thitherward. Thitherward. Right, I think we're going to have to try that one a few times, aren't we? It's not an easy word. It really isn't. Um, I wonder, do you know what that word means? Anybody? Pardon? Yes, going towards? Fixed, that's right. It basically means toward. Thitherward. Toward. Okay? And we see here that God's people were to go thitherward. They were to go toward. Where were they to go? Well, verse tells us, verse 5 tells us that it's a place called Zion. And God's people were to turn away from Babylon and they were to face their home, Zion. What does Zion represent in the Bible? Well, Zion represents the home of God's people, Jerusalem. That's where their capital was. Um, it was where God's house was. It's where God's temple was. It's where God's people should have been. That was their home. Spiritually speaking, it typifies a walk with God. Zion typifies heaven, a place of peace and a place of rest. It also typifies an eternal city that the Christian is heading towards. And if you're a Christian here this morning, that's the place where we need to have our eyes fixed upon. Amen? God's people, we see here, were willing to turn away from Babylon. And they were willing to turn and to face Zion, the city that they should have been in. You know that we will never get far with God until we are willing to turn away from the world and we're to turn heavenward to God. You know, unfortunately, too many of us as Christians were playing at Christianity. We're wasting time. God has saved us, and he saved us for a purpose. As the pastor said before, that we're here for a reason. We're not here by mistake. The circumstances around our lives are no mistake. God has had our lives planned from beginning, from the beginning. And we're here for a reason. And if we're Christians, we should have a sense of that in our lives. And we need to start playing at Christianity and we need to start getting serious with God. And as Christians... We need to turn from the world and we need to turn thitherward to God. Amen. 
Let's just see some wonderful truths here from our scripture this morning. First of all, in verse 1, we see that Jeremiah declared that judgment was coming upon Babylon. At the time that Jeremiah was writing this, it was around 600 BC. This judgment hadn't come. In fact, Babylon was a very strong city and a very strong province. But God had declared through his prophet Jeremiah that judgment day was coming to this sinful place. We read in verse 1, The word that the Lord spake against Babylon and against the land of the Chaldeans by Jeremiah the prophet. He says, Declare ye among the nations and publish, set up a standard, publish and conceal not. Babylon is taken, Bel is confounded, Merodach is broken in pieces, her idols are confounded, her images are broken in pieces. And then in verse 3, it talks about a nation that's going to come from the north. Does anybody know which nation that was? Well, this was the Persian Empire, the Medes. And they were to come from the north, and they were come to destroy um, Babylon. Babylon was a great city. It was a place where great kings ruled. It was a place where great statues were built for people to worship. It was a place where great fortresses were built. In fact, you can see some of the remnants of it today. It's a place where great sin was practiced. And I believe that we can also see here prophecy concerning the end times. If we read in the book of Revelation that our minds and our eyes are turned to Babylon again. But I believe here that what we're going to look at this morning, we're going to look at the time of the children of Israel in Babylon and facing and coming out again um, back to their city. I want you to notice in verse 2, it speaks about Bel and Merodach. And it says here that Bel is confounded and Merodach is broken in pieces. These were idols that the people worshipped. These idols can be seen today if you go to certain museums. I think in, uh, in uh, the museum in London, you can see some of these idols, worthless pieces of stone that people used to bow down to. These were stones that God, the creator of the universe, made. And people were bowing down to these man-made Images, these man-made idols, worthless pieces of stone. Well, they were offering sacrifices to them and bowing down to them, worthless. And this was the sin that was practiced in Babylon. But notice that it says in verse 2, it says that these images were actually broken in pieces. This is the God that they would worship. They were broken in pieces. And if you go to Babylon today, you will see that this city has been broken in pieces. It is in pieces. It's broken down. You know that these worthless idols would only last for a season. Maybe many of these people that worship them thought that they would last for eternity and that these idols would lead them into some happiness and some rest and some peace. But they were broken in pieces. They had a short life. You know, the Bible says that there is pleasure in sin for a season, but it doesn't last. 
and it's only lasts for a short time. But the vices that men love today only last for a short time. There is a judgment coming. Men will be accountable with how they've lived their lives and who they have worshipped and spent their money upon and spent their time adoring. Men will give an account. The Bible says very clearly that God is a judge and he will judge idolatry. He's going to do that. And he did it in the time of Jeremiah's people. I wonder how is it this morning with us? Are we living without any thought for God in our lives? You know that nobody ever thought that Babylon would be broken in pieces in those days. Nobody ever thought that the gold, that this, these temples and these things that they worship, nobody ever thought that these things would be broken in pieces and destroyed. Meredach and Bel, great gods. You know that God knows how to deal with rebels. He knows how to deal with idolatry. He knows how to deal with those that will just continue rejecting God and his offer of salvation. The Bible says that God's spirit will not always strive with man. Yes, God is a patient and is a merciful God. But there comes a time, there comes a line where God says, that's enough. And he has to judge. And there is coming a day where this will happen. I wonder this morning, have we been playing fast and loose with God in our lives? Maybe as Christians, maybe we have been ignoring God's warnings for us to turn back to him. Maybe you're not a Christian here this morning. And maybe God's been speaking to you and he's been telling you to face him and to receive him as, a, as your savior. If we're not living with our eyes toward heaven, the Bible says here in verse 4 that we need to do something. Let's just have a read what it says. It says here that in those days and in that time, saith the Lord, the children of Israel shall come. They and the children of Judah together, going and weeping, they shall go, and then it says, and seek the Lord their God. And that's what God requires here this morning. God requires that we seek the Lord with all of our hearts. God doesn't want half-heartedness from us. He wants all of us this morning. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 7 says that godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. Notice what it says here in verse 4. It says that when they would come, it says that they would be weeping. And we see here a godly sorrow. And this is the kind of sorrow that God recognizes. It's a contrition. It's a contrite heart. And that's what God desires from each and every one of us. He doesn't want pretense. He wants reality. 
and he wants us to turn to him. And if we have been living our own lives, if we've been going in our, on our, in our own directions and we've been rebelling against God, today is the day where we need to turn and we need to face God and we need to come back home. Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all of your heart. I wonder this morning, how much of my heart does God have? How much of your heart does God have this morning? If we're honest, he doesn't have it all. If we're honest, there are times where we are half-hearted. There are times where we do slacken off. There are times where we do take our eyes off the Lord. But we need to turn back to him this morning. That's a word from the Lord. That's the word from this book this morning. We need to seek the Lord with all of our hearts. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 3 that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And it doesn't matter where we are right now. Stop looking behind and look forward. Look to Jesus. The Bible says that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sins. And he can do that today. He can do that right now, where you are seated this morning. He's a wonderful God. He's wonderful. Notice here in verse 5, it says that they shall seek, sorry, they shall ask the way to Zion with their faces thitherward, saying, come and let us join ourselves to the Lord. And I want you to notice here that setting faces together toward God has an encouragement upon other people around us. Notice the wording here. He says, come and let us. And then he says, join ourselves. The Bible says, behold how good and how pleasant it is for a brethren to dwell together in unity. And you know, when we're dwelling in unity together as brethren, it's encouraging. Amen? You know, I was reminded of this last night when I was putting this message together, of something that happened earlier on in the week. And Angelica and myself, we set aside about three times special for us to come together and, we, and we, we, have a, we have a book that we, we have names and places and people that we pray for. And, um, you know, I come home from work, had the meal, and uh, I just forgot all about it. Got up from the table, and I was about to do something else, and Angelica said, hey, come, let's pray. It just slipped my mind. But the Bible says here, come, let us join ourselves to the Lord. And you know, there are some times when we need to encourage one another. You may be feeling disappointed. You may be feeling discouraged. You may be feeling down here this morning. You may be feeling despondent. The Bible says, come and join ourselves to the Lord. Come. Jesus says, come unto me. All ye that labor on the heavy laden, I will give you rest. 
We need to encourage one another in the Lord. Amen? We need to encourage our marriage partners. We need to encourage people in our churches. Those of our families, we need to be an encouragement to continue following the Lord. I was on the telephone yesterday to my mum, and as you know, my dad's not a Christian. You know, last yesterday, me and my mum, we, we could have spent about two and three hours on the telephone, and I could have spent that long just listening to some of the burdens that my mum has. And I just listened and listened. And I know that my mum, she loves the Lord, but she finds it difficult sometimes to continue. And there's so much opposition when one is a Christian and the other, and the other isn't. And if you're not in that kind of relationship, you probably don't understand quite as well what it's like. But it's hard. But we need to try and encourage people around us. We need to try and encourage those people that are Christians, that are finding it difficult to carry on. Let's say to those people around us, come and let us join ourselves unto the Lord. Amen? We need it, and those around us need it as well. Let's be like that here in this church. Let's be a congregation that supports the pastor. It's the hardest job in this church. And the pastor won't stand in this pulpit and start complaining about everything. But we need to come together. We need to join ourselves together. And we need to pray for our pastor. And we need to pray for the workers in this church as well. And we need to pray for each and every individual. And we need to be loving and encouraging one another in the Lord. Life's difficult enough as it is. But we need one another. And we need to be joining ourselves to the Lord. Verses 6 and verse 7 we see here that the shepherds who should have helped the sheep, they actually turned away from them. Let's just have a read. Verse 6, my people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. You know that we're living in a society today where shepherds, where clergymen are turning away the sheep from God, from the great shepherd. It's unfortunate. There are people today who are even wearing dog collars who are actually turning the sheep away. Angelica and myself, we were living in uh, Liverpool, and I think I mentioned last time that we were here. And the Bishop of Liverpool, last year, he was the patron of the Pride Festival in Liverpool. And he actually got up in front of thousands of people. You can see it on YouTube. And he apologised on behalf of Christians and Christianity for the things that have been said against homosexuality. I wrote a letter to the Bishop he replied, but there was no uh, sorrow or, or repentance for what, he, for what he had done. 
And um, just a few weeks ago, um, he was on the radio and uh, he had just been um, helping the uh, LGBT uh, groups, um, you know, in their persistence to walk in that sinful way. This is where we are in society today. Thank God that we have a shepherd here this morning, a pastor who cares for the sheep. We can praise the Lord here this morning that there are many pastors who do care for the sheep and it's their job to look after them and to guide them and to lead them. Verse 8, we see here last, God's last word of advice. It says here, remove out of the midst of Babylon. And we see here that God's last word here is his last word for us here this morning. He's warning his people. He's giving them an opportunity. And he's saying, get out, remove, out of the midst, out of the middle, out of the center of Babylon. Let's get out of the world. Let's turn from the wicked society, the, the teachings of this society, the morals of this society, wilderness, let's turn thitherward to God. Let's get out of the midst of Babylon as Christians. Notice what it says here in verse 8 as well. He says, and be as the he-goats before the flocks. It's quite significant, the word he-goats, because the he-goats in Scripture actually represent a strong-mindedness. If we look in the book of Daniel, we'll read about goats that charge and that are attacking. And they have a strong mind, and they're resolute, and they have a, a, a state of purpose. They're not like the sheep. They get easily frightened and here, there, and everywhere. The he-goats were strong-minded. They were resolute. They had strong conviction. They had courage. And God's requiring this of his people this morning. He wants us to be strong in the Lord, in his strength. Amen? Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we just thank you this morning for this um, passage of Scripture. Lord, we thank you that you are the good shepherd. We thank you, dear Lord, that you will never lead your sheep astray. We thank you that you have guided us into the truth. We thank you for your mercy and for your love for us here this morning. Lord, we thank you for your wonderful salvation. Lord, we pray by your grace and by your mercy and by your strength and by your Holy Spirit that you'll help us, dear Lord, if we're Christians here this morning, help us to remove ourselves out of the midst of this world. Help us to turn thitherward toward you. Help us, dear Lord, to have our hearts and our minds fixed upon you. Help us to love you more this morning, dear Lord, by your grace. Lord, forgive us for our 
half-heartedness. Forgive us, dear Lord, for playing at Christianity. Help each one of us here this morning to be resolute. Help us to be like these he-goats that have a strong determination and a strong courage and boldness and that, Lord, we may fear not here this morning. Lord, help us, we pray. Lord, we just pray this morning here that if there is one who has never come out of the world yet, we pray, dear Lord, that you would guide them this morning to the Saviour. We pray that they may take that step of faith and trust Jesus Christ as their Saviour. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that you brought the children of Israel out of the midst of Babylon. We thank you, dear Lord, that they were able to face Zion and come home. Lord, we thank you that that is your promise for us here this morning. By God's grace. Amen. Amen.